Welcome to the Pet Loss Companion. I'm Ken Dolan Del Vecchio. I'm here with my friend and co-author, Nancy Saxton Lopez. This is a program that we do live every Thursday, starting at 6 p.m. We go for about a half hour, give or take. And it is an opportunity to reach a broader audience than we were able to reach with our book, which is called The Pet Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups. And this medium allows us to have what amounts to a dialogue with mm -hmm. audience members, because what we do a lot of the time is we read emails that we've gotten from you, from people who are willing to share their stories. And we read those emails and then we talk about, we share some of our reactions to them and some thoughts and recommendations. And so if you would like to get in touch with us and send us your story, please do that. You can reach me at kenddv at gmail.com. You can reach Nancy at nsaxtonlopez at csmpc.com. That's N-S-A-X-T-O-N-L-O-P-E-Z at csmpc.com. And if you do send us a story, please let us know if we can share it, share parts of it, maybe not all of it. We'll respond to you in any case but we'd like, we'd like for you to tell us if it's okay, because we certainly don't want to share it if you don't want us to. And also you can send us recommendations, <coughs> excuse me, for guests or for mm -hmm. topics. All of the information that I'm sharing as we get started here is also listed in the description of the program, whether you are listening to it as audio or are watching one of the video casts. You can support our work in a number of different ways, through Venmo, through PayPal, through a monthly subscription. This program is a friend of Dakin Humane Society in Springfield, Massachusetts. Dakin is a shelter that does a lot more than providing shelter and adoption services. They have all kinds of programs that help people with their bonds to our animal family members. And one of the programs that they sponsor is a cost-free Zoom pet loss support group that I facilitate happens once a month on the second Tuesday of the month. It runs from 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Again, there's no cost to you. And you can find the RSVP link or the link to the RSVP link in the program description. I will tell you that we've set a cap on the number of participants because it's been really highly, there's been lots and lots of people who have joined and we're trying to make it so maybe like 25 or so will be the max. So if you're interested, please do click Sign a link up. soon. The next one is on October 10th. Also, please consider pressing the YouTube subscribe button if you think this program is valuable and it will be helpful to other people. When you do that, when you subscribe, it raises the profile in terms mm -hmm. of what the algorithm offers to people who are looking for support with pet loss. Also, if you can give a thumbs up to the program, it similarly helps the program mm -hmm. to get more visibility. And one other thing we want to mention is that we recently yeah. created an affiliation with a vendor that's called Bereave. And Bereave offers these really beautiful granite plaques that are engraved with your pet's name and the dates and an image of your pet and really beautiful. You can use it out in the yard or you can use it where you have mementos of your pet. Mm -hmm. And we just, we, we've seen, we've received we have one. Yes. It's just really a, a wonderful thing. And if you, if you purchase this through the link on our site, you'll also be providing us a measure of support mm 
as well. And Nancy, you want to get us started? Yeah, we have two stories tonight that are very similar in a lot of ways. I was telling Ken before we started that they got to me somehow. I mean, I, they all, all of our stories um, are, are heartbreaking, and some, but also can be heartwarming because it's all about mm -hmm. the human-animal bond. Mm -hmm. And with these two ladies, um, they, they were two dogs and they were heart dogs. And so, and one is Laura and one is Lori. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to, I'm going to share Laura's story. Um, and so let's see. I'm not sure why listening to your podcast gives me moments of comfort, but it does. So I thought I would write my story down uh, for you since you encourage us to do so. It is today, July 10th. On July 2nd, I had to put my baby Callum down after 12 of the most meaningful years of my life. Scottish Terriers only lived 12 to 15 years, but I thought he would be on the far end of that. I had done everything I could to give him a healthy environment. Filtered air, filtered water. When I got him neutered later in life, age 7, his metabolism changed and he put on a lot of weight, so I switched him to raw food to try to keep it under control with the best quality food I could give him. If you had seen him on July 1st, I think you would have thought you were looking at a healthy old dog. He had slowed down some in the last year. For a while, he didn't like going on morning walks anymore, but I got him a joint supplement that must have helped because he didn't refuse any walks since he started taking it. In fact, he demanded morning walks because the mulberry trees were in season and he wanted to go eat the mulberries <laughs> off the ground. Beauty. On July 1st, we were at, at my dad's house for a memorial service for his dog, another Scotty that had died the week before. Callum was inside letting my brother pet him and he coughed, this cough, wet and with a hack at the end like he was trying to throw something up. Looking back, I had heard him do this every once in a while at night and only ever once, not a string of coughs that might make you think he had a lung infection. Something about it this time just didn't seem right. I picked him up and rushed him outside in case he really was going to hack something up, but he didn't. And so we drove home. It was an hour car ride and my car has a broken AC so the windows were down. Still, it was hot. When we got home, just as I parked the car, something happened. The vets say it wasn't a seizure, but it was something. His back arched, he threw his head back, and his paws flailed. And he kept jerking and started to roll backward and fall over. There was no good reason for those kind of motions that scared me. My heart raced with panic as I grabbed him and shouted his name. But when I set him upright again, he stopped. I thought it was the heat. I thought I had heard him having him go on the car ride with me. So I got him inside and gave him water, then ice water, then an ice cube, thinking he just needed to cool down. He was breathing pretty heavily, even when he laid down. I watched him like a hawk. I got down on the floor because if you sat on the floor, he would come over and climb on my lap. I encouraged him and he got up and came over. When I hugged him, it put my ear next, I put my ear next to his muzzle and I could hear him breathing. It sounded wrong to me, wheezy in a way it shouldn't have sounded. I took him to the ER vet. When they took his vitals, they said his blood oxygen was good, his breathing rate was good. They did an ultrasound of his heart and couldn't find any murmur. 
and then they took chest x-rays. The vet had nothing but bad news. He had an enlarged heart, and there was too much fluid in the way of the lungs to get a good picture of what was going on. She thought it was possible that there were nodules. Her first concern was his heart, though. She was astonished, based on his x-ray, that his vitals were as good as they were, and only on that basis was she willing to send him home with a diuretic to try to get rid of some of the fluid and a medication for his heart. That night, I did not sleep. I kept listening to him move from place to place. That wasn't unusual, but now I was listening for whether it was unusual. I sat by him while he was in his crate and listened to him breathe. It was labored and fast. He used to do this thing where he was working up to a line where he'd sub-vocalize the line. To me, it just sounded like a harsh breath. I always assumed he was making a sound out of the range of human hearing, but if I didn't respond to it, he'd make it louder so I could hear it. That was the sound on every exhale. I thought he was in pain every time he breathed. I thought I needed to get him painkillers so the heart medication could have time to work. I called the ER vet and told him that, and they said they told me to bring him back in. His vitals had deteriorated overnight. The new vet again looked at his x-rays. This vet also expressed pretty dire news. She was amazed that he was even upright, looking as functional as he was with a blood oxygen of 88. She told me I must have, been, have a very strong connection with him to have noticed something was wrong because he didn't act like anything was really wrong. But his chest was filled with fluid outside his heart and outside his, his lungs. His breathing was labor because there was no space left for his lungs to expand. She heard a crackling like crackers when he breathed. I will never know exactly what was wrong. The test to even determine a root cause would have required hospitalization and CT scans. It would have cost $10,000 just to diagnose. The vet gave me this option, but I think she gave it to me for my sake, if it would help me do me to do the testing, not for his. She made sure to tell me that even if we did all of that, it was very unlikely that something causing fluid in the chest cavity could be healed. She could not promise me a healthy dog. I called my dad and brother and told them that if they wanted to say goodbye to Callum, they needed to come to the vet. He had lived the first year of his life in their house. Every time I went on a trip somewhere, he went to the country estate so they could look after him. My brother had driven me down to Maryland the day I picked him up, and we drove back to New Jersey, racing ahead of the storm with a little puppy standing on my knees, watching out the windshield. They came. They heard the same explanation I had been given. Ultimately, he was my dog, so it was my choice. Putting him down seemed like the only thing to do. I couldn't afford the hospitalization, especially not if it would change the income, the outcome. The vet was of the opinion that it was actually cancer in his lungs, even though she couldn't prove it. I keep reminding myself out loud that I brought him back the second time because I heard him suffering and I couldn't just let him struggle on like that. I could not bring myself to hold him in my lap while it was done. He hated sitting in my lap anyway. So I hugged him and cried into his back. My brother held his paw. It was the most awful thing I've ever done. I'd never heard the term heart dog before putting him down. I think now maybe he was. It always felt like we had similar personality. I had people tell me he paid more attention to me than a Scotty typically would. I took him for earth dog training a few times, but I couldn't even try to give him directions because if I did, he would stop what he was doing and look at me rather than go into the tunnels. He was a local celebrity. You don't see many Scotties anywhere, so the people in downtown Jersey City knew us. They knew me because of him. 
People would stop us constantly on walks to tell me about the Scotties they had known. They would ask to pet him. They would ask if he was the lady and the tramp dog. They would call him a schnauzer so often I wanted to get him a shirt that said, not a schnauzer. He was with me when I moved to the city, when I got my first big deal job through several roommates. He was with me when my mom died. I got a second dog because I didn't want him to be lonely while I was at work. I suspect he was with me through what I will remember is the most contented time of my life. For the last 12 years, I think I maybe did everything to give him a good home and make sure he was happy. And now he is gone. And I don't know what to do with myself. I'm afraid that if I stop crying, I lose him, that I dishonor him. And even knowing that that isn't true doesn't change the way it feels. I want to stop feeling terrible. I don't want to let him go. Did I do enough? I knew he had a growth on his face that wasn't right. I was going to get it removed when I got more money. This month, my cousin moved in and is paying rent, so I do have the money. It was going to be soon. I think I let the cancer on his face metastasize. I think I failed him there. He had bad teeth his whole life. It felt like too much of a burden to brush them all the time. I think I failed him that way also. It's also big. I didn't look into therapy and support groups when my mother died, but for him, yes. None of those things have happened yet, though. All the appointments are in the future. So instead, I find myself listening to every pet loss podcast I can find. Sometimes I zone out watching TV and then feel bad for the periods of not feeling bad. There have been some strange coincidences since he passed. A shop worker who has seen me dozens of times in her store out of nowhere asked me if I had a dog. Neighbors who owned a Scotty and moved away years ago were suddenly in town and came over to say hi, of course wanting to know where Callum was when they saw me walking just my one dog. A friend took me for ice cream, and as we were leaving the park, she asked if I wanted to sit for a bit or just head home. I said head home, but changed my mind, and we sat for a bit. As we sat, someone with a Scotty walked their dog by. My remaining dog insists on taking a different street back, um... From the park the other day, and on that block, I rarely walked down. A house had a flag out in their garden with a Scotty on it. I'm not much of a believer, but it does make me want to believe. And then she said she sent some pictures. Now, interestingly enough, she did write back a month later. And let me see if I can find that. So she wrote back, and this is what she said. I've listened to your um, I've listened to your podcast a lot and attended one of the sport group meet, meetups, although I did not speak at that meeting. I intend to at the next one. I don't know how I, I thought I'd feel after a month. For a while, I stopped crying all the time, enough that I could get through a day of work and even watch TV without feeling like it was so wrong to do something normal. We buried him. I started some memorials getting a portrait painted by a friend. I tried planting a garden, although I have a brown thumb, so I don't have high hopes with that. I got a plushie that is almost too realistic. It looks like a Scottish Terrier puppy. It's the size of a real-life puppy. This week, I've gone back to weeping all the time. My chest feels like it has bricks on it, or like the weight of him is resting right there. I have no ability to withstand normal stressors anymore. I need to take on less at work because I can't care about it the way I used to. I hear people say that eventually you get to a point where you can think of them with joy and not loss. I wish I knew how to get there. 
I'm hoping that the Light After Loss program I signed up for starts at the end of the month will help. So here is a woman who has done, we know, everything possible. Yeah, yeah. To take care of her beautiful Callum, who was a celebrity, right? Everyone knew her. Everyone knew Callum, right? Well, just look at him. Of course, he's a he's he was beautiful. A <laughs> and she did everything possible for her baby, mm -hmm. right? But the mm -hmm. problem is that, unfortunately, they get sick. Yeah. And he, I mean, I have to say, she made the decision very deliberately. She made it with the right consultation. Mm -hmm. It was clear he was suffering. Yeah. And that's all you can say about it. I mean, she did the right, the right thing. And the way she describes her grief is very, is very typical of so, so many people. Yeah. And this whole idea that if she, you know, that she could lose touch with his memory easily and that uh, even just to feel good for a moment right. feels like a dishonor to him. Like it's, it's, uh, it's, it's betraying him. In some well, way. right. And that's what happens a lot with people, yeah. right? Yeah. If they're not grieving, even over a, a grieving like they do in the beginning over a period of time, they're so afraid that they might, they may forget. Right. Yep. And they're afraid that they're betraying. Yep. And that's yeah. not the case. And, no. and, but, but she, she's talking also about the ups and downs mm -hmm. that, you know, sometimes it feels better. Now, again, it feels really, really bad. It sounds yeah. like it's interrupting her ability to give energy to other things. All of those are it's normal. You know, it's normal stuff. It goes on for whatever time it takes. Right. And it will eventually settle, but mm -hmm. it's very hard to know how long that's going to take. And also, we, we know that this dog was the real the centerpiece of her life her in many life. ways. And so yeah. that's a that's a, an enormous loss. Well, and also a month is not a long period of time. I mean, a lot of times we, you, you and I would get people, I can't tolerate this anymore. I can't take this pain anymore. Why, when is it going to be over? And when you're talking about this kind of relationship and, and only after a month, it takes a long time to, to go through the process of mourning for this, this incredible relationship, you know, that that she she had with Kyle, like a lot of our our folks have with their animals, but we want to thank her for yes, thank you so much. It's 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 it, and it's so helpful for other people to hear. We hear this over and over again that it's very helpful because it breaks the isolation and yeah, it allows people to see that what they're going through is not unusual or extraordinary it's just it's just grief it's typical yeah. grief we have a comment from somebody who okay. just lost their their pet i'm listening i'm shattered we had to put our sweet dog sipsy down this morning and our kitty oh, last Friday. so sad so we we're so sorry for you yeah. and boy that's that's a lot that's horrible to, two at a time yeah to lose them both we're we're sending you know carried thoughts kind thoughts hard and thanks for being here. Hopefully, yeah. it's, hopefully, maybe it provides some solace to hear other people's yeah. stories. So I'm going to read a story from Lori. Right. And she says, Ken and Nancy, I found your podcast two weeks after the loss of my precious girl, Bo. And she's writing August 12th. So a few weeks back. 
I cannot tell you how much the stories you share have, have helped me with my overwhelming grief, guilt, and heartache that I've experienced since her death. She was my soul dog and my companion for 13 years. I loved her so much. I am now retired and my children are grown and out of the house. 13 years ago, my son asked if he could bring home a puppy. Since I had let my two daughters have their own dog to raise with the family, I agreed. He named her Bo and she was a real character, chewing up furniture, his favorite shoes, and even curtains. curtains. But we loved her. I can relate to that with my <laughs> She grew out of the puppy behavior to become the sweetest and best dog ever. Our other dogs would always run up the street if they got out the front door and would not come back when we called, but not Bo. She would stay in the yard and was always so well behaved. My kids said she was my spirit dog because she would jump up behind me as if she had springs on all fours as I walked through the house. She slept on my bed every night, and when my son moved out, I said, it's, I said, it's okay, but can Bo stay with me? <laughs> he she wanted Bo. <laughs> he agreed. She was the first one to greet me after work and was also so always so happy to see me. She was the healthiest dog and never had to go to the vet except for her annual well check and for her prescription for flea medication. She saw the vet last September for an ear infection, but everything seemed fine. On June 3rd, she didn't want to get off the bed in the morning, but finally did and seemed okay going outside to go potty. Her appetite wasn't what it normally was, but I didn't think too much about it. Then on June 16th, I was awake about four in the morning and felt her shaking. I didn't know then that was a sign that the dog was experiencing pain. She softly moaned in her sleep. The next morning, I tried to get her into the vet she sees normally, but they couldn't get her in and referred me to a walk-in clinic nearby. We got there at 7 a.m. to be sure she got a spot. Bo just hates going to the vet. She shakes and tries so hard to get out the door, but she's so well-behaved, she will walk with the vet tech to the back room, even though she is so scared. The vet came out and said that she has severe arthritis and asked, because she is so old, do you want me to send you home with pain meds? I said I've never heard her moan in her sleep and that I thought she was in pain. The vet said that, that arthritis can be very painful. I asked her what the next step would be, and she said an x-ray and blood work. I agreed, and the vet soon called me back to the exam room to show me the x-rays. Bo had a mass so large in her abdomen that all of her organs were pushed to one side. She said that the next step would be to get an ultrasound to determine what organs were affected and if there was anything they could do. I was in shock, but at the time did not think I wanted to put her through abdominal surgery at her age. Two days later, the vet called to say the blood work was normal and that was frustrating. She prescribed her some pain medication that, we, that she would be on for the rest of her life. Bo really seemed to feel better after the daily pain medication. A couple of weeks back, went by and she really enjoyed her daily walk so much. I was talking to a close friend that lost her cat due to cancer a few years ago. And she told me about a vet that she saw and was very gentle with her cat and was highly recommended. I read some of the reviews and decided to have all of the lab work and x-ray sent to her office to get a second opinion. During the week before her appointment, I took Bo to the beach every day. She loved to walk on the beach, but she seemed sad and was sleeping a lot. This is where my story turns tragic. 
When we went to the appointment, Bo was so stressed and just wanted to get out of there. Her feet were running on the tile without moving, like Bambi on ice, and they advised me to put her leash on a hook so I could fill out the paperwork. The vet came out and said something about the mass in her abdomen. She then said she wanted another x-ray and new blood work. The ones I had sent there were only four weeks old. I told her that I couldn't afford another $1,000 for labs. I could find the money, but was upset that she wanted to repeat the exact ones I sent to her. She closed her eyes and took a breath and said, have you thought about letting her go? She also said at some point that the mask could bleed out at any time, and then I'd only have two or three hours. She asked what if I was not home when it bled out. I just went into shock and asked when. She said she could do it now. She did give me other options, but all I kept saying was I didn't want her in pain or to suffer. I started crying, and to my dying day, I cannot understand why I agreed to have it done then. She had more happy times with me at home. She still loved her walks, treats, going in the car and going to the beach. I didn't even think of anyone else saying goodbye to her. I was immediately so sorry for the decision and wished I'd taken her home. I've been depressed and crying for weeks, for two weeks. I miss her so much, my heart hurts. She didn't deserve to pass when she was so stressed in the vet's office. She passed in my arms, but she could not relax. I will forever be sorry I made that decision. I could have taken her home with stronger pain meds or with a referral for an at-home hospice vet. I still cannot fathom why on earth I would make such a rash decision in that office at the time. It haunts me because I do not make rash decisions. I usually research things, think about them for a long time before acting on something. The truth is I never thought about letting her go. I wanted to take it back immediately and have so many regrets about what happened that day. The house is so quiet and lonely now. I feel vulnerable because she would let me know if anyone was near the house. She had a ferocious bark. I've never loved a dog as much as I loved her. She was my reason for getting up in the morning. I heard this several times in some of the stories, but I've never felt grief like this, not even when my parents passed. So many of the stories in your podcast tell of much better pet parents than I was to my mm -hmm. darling girl. I did not do everything medically and financially possible to save her, and I will feel guilty about that forever. You may share, you may share my story if you would like to. Thank you for listening, Lori. Now, this, this is the same thing a little bit with Laura. I mean, the, the, the whole problem with the guilt afterwards, yes, she was a best pet parent. She was another best pet, best pet parent, yeah. right? But in that moment, in that moment yeah. of emotion around, you know, yes, maybe you, she will, she could bleed out, right? Any, any, at any point. We, and we've heard those stories. And they you are know, very unpleasant. And and so <laughs> what is she going to do, right? So she yeah, makes yeah. that decision because she doesn't want that to happen to her baby. Yeah. And then, of course, after the fact, she's like, what did I do? How could I live with myself? I can't believe that I did this to her. Now, we all know that our, our companions never judge us, yeah. are never yeah. critical. They don't hold malice. I want that for both everyone to hear, you know, Laura and Lori, but they don't, it's, it, they will, they will say it was the right time. Well, and, 
I've, a couple points come to mind, and one of them I, I, I wrote to Lori, is that I believe that she made that decision because on a deep level, there was, there was a part of her who understood it was time mm-hmm. and was really clear that she did not want to have the tumor burst yeah. and the dog beat. We, we've had stories where that yeah. happens and it's, it seems agonizing. The, yeah. what, the, the dog is immobilized. They're shaking. Oh, it's horrible. Terrible pain. Mm-hmm. And, and so she spared her dog of that. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I recently heard, which, I think applies here is that it's okay to let your dog go on a good day. Yeah. And, and so I think that that's something that, that she did as well. Her, her dog was not in dire, dire distress. She was a little bit, it, it was, that was around the corner and right. she spared her from it. And she let her go on a day when she was feeling okay. It sounds like, so I, I, I want to reassure her that she mm-hmm. should trust her judgment. Sometimes the in, the intuition is deeper than what's in the front of our minds. Right. And I think the emotions that, that are cloudy. I, I trust that that's what happens here. And I, I think that over time she'll come to trust it. As well, well the, the guild is always hard. I mean, yeah. um, Laura, Laura talked about the teeth. I should have done something with her teeth. I should have done something with the, with her. The, something I should on, brush I my dog's teeth. You know, <laughs> and because that, that I, I was not a good pet parent. These yeah, two but... women were amazing pet parents. They were great pet parents. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> so, but I, the guild is so hard and I wish them both, especially Lori. I mean, she did nothing wrong. Right. And, and, you know, I know she feels guilty about that and thinks that she's such, such a, 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 a not a good pet parent. Oh my God. She was a wonderful. Pet <laughs> she was a, I mean, again, I mean, these are people who give all their love and attention mm-hmm. to their pets. And they're also the people who, who feel like it was never enough. I mean, that, they, that kind of goes with the territory. We have another note from our listeners this evening. Lori, I hope you read this message. Please don't regret your decision. When we love something so much, we let them go in peace. Bo was so blessed to have you as her mama. So thanks, Rowena, for that comment. Thank you. So we want to thank both Laura Laura and Lori for their stories. And I know they'll be helpful to other people and always uh, always a blessing to have these kinds of, of wonderful people share their what they've been through with their pets, right. with their animal companions. Because it so, is hard to do, and, and but I think it also can be very cathartic. It's such so. a gift. Euthanasia is a gift of love. It's mm-hmm. very important, very important to keep that in mind. And we want to just remind people too, if you find this program helpful, please do consider subscribing on YouTube and giving a thumbs up to the program because it, it helps it become more readily available to other people who are searching for support. Mm-hmm. Take care. Take care, everybody. I'm going to just, Rowena is asking for...